This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 25. The Mysterious Disappearance of Granger Taylor. November 29, 1980. Saw a storm the likes of which had never been seen on Vancouver Island. Torrential rainfall and gale-force winds ripped their way through the entire southern half of the island and much of British Columbia itself for nearly 16 hours. The result in the tiny fishing town of Duncan, on the southeastern coast, was evident at a glance the following morning. Downed power lines, broken windows, and lawns filled with scattered debris. They had been walloped by a supercell that no one was expecting. No one, that is, except for local eccentric and mechanical genius Granger Taylor. Taylor was a simple but brilliant man, 32 years old, living with his parents on a farm near Summonus Lake. According to his close friend and protege Robert Keller, he had come to him in mid-October with the story of a series of dreams that would change his life forever. In the dreams he was visited by representatives of an extraterrestrial civilization. They had informed Granger that they were planning a voyage for him into the stars to explore the universe. He told Robert that this would happen on November 29th, that it would happen during a heavy storm, and that he would be returning after learning everything that he could. This story, which would have shocked or worried many people, left Robert Keller unfazed. He had spent hours with Granger every day for the majority of a decade, and his obsession with all things extraterrestrial was well known. This lack of surprise left him no less dumbfounded when, as predicted, on the evening of November 29th, an incredibly powerful and unexpected storm system moved in, and after a quick visit to say goodbye to his dear friend, Granger Taylor was never seen again. It's important to understand who Granger Taylor was. A tall, sturdy man who drove a bright pink pickup truck, Known in the town of Duncan to be a bit of an oddball, Taylor was loved deeply by the few people that were close to him. The death of his father at a very young age affected him deeply. He became an introverted and quiet child who would spend the majority of his time alone in his bedroom. But his aptitude for all things mechanical soon became apparent. After dropping out of school in the 8th grade, he began apprenticing under a mechanic and was soon known for his ability to restore vehicles that were deemed beyond repair by most. At 14 years old, he built a fully functioning one-cylinder car from the ground up. It now sits on display at the Duncan Forest Museum. At 17 years old, he built a bulldozer that was used for over a decade for work around the family farm and for assisting neighbors with heavyweight projects. 
and at 20, he earned his pilot's license and rebuilt a World War II Kitty Hawk airplane that he would sell for $20,000 to be put on display just off the Vancouver Island Highway. But above all, the build that would turn Granger into something of a local legend was the work he did on an abandoned locomotive. While in his early 20s, he discovered a decaying steam engine in the forest near his home. It had been used in a bygone era to transport lumber into Duncan. Where most people saw a rusted pile of steel, Granger Taylor saw potential. He was unfazed by the state of it. He cut down the trees that had grown through the chassis. He oiled the seized up and warped wheels and towed the locomotive nearly two miles out of the forest and onto his farm. He would spend two years rebuilding it, fabricating new panels from scratch, repairing and machining new components from nose to tail, and it wasn't long before the train was returned to its former glory. The province of British Columbia was so impressed by the restoration of this historic machine that they purchased it from him in 1976. It is still to this day on display at the British Columbia Forest Discovery Center. He was not, as some have characterized him, a brooding genius who sat alone. After his mother remarried, he acquired seven new siblings and was quickly adopted as part of the family. He spent his young years swimming and bonding with those siblings, and they would come to be very proud of the incredible work of their brother. He amassed a sizable amount of money from his projects, but never had any aspirations of moving away or starting a family of his own. His obsession with the pursuit of knowledge soon pushed him from terrestrial mechanics and into the stars. In his mid-twenties, though, his mastery of mechanics, as with many who reached the top of their vocation, began to leave him feeling unchallenged. He became obsessed with the technology and mechanics that would be necessary to facilitate the type of aerial acrobatics reported by those who had witnessed the flight of UFOs. He soon constructed his own flying saucer near the tree line of the family property. More clubhouse than contraption, the saucer is where he spent time researching UFO encounters, reading magazines and drawing proposed schematics. This love and obsession with space and what it would take to traverse it quickly became his favorite subject to discuss with friends. Of these friends, Robert Keller was the most receptive. They spent hours discussing different possibilities inside Granger's flying saucer. After working together on the morning of November 29th, Granger told Robert that he had some errands to run and dropped him off at his parents' house. He visited a restaurant nearby where a waitress remembers him being dressed for a summer day. She found it odd that he didn't have his winter gear as the storm was brewing outside. Some hours later, as overcast skies began to give way to torrential downpour as predicted, he returned to Robert's home to say goodbye. Robert begged Granger to take him along for the journey, and taking the entire proposition as a joke, Robert's father said, Oh yeah, take him with you. He's not getting anything done around here. While Robert and his father laughed at the obvious joke, Granger was very serious. He explained that, while he would be gone for 42 months from his perspective, time would pass much more quickly for those on Earth. He would not deign to take the young Robert Kessler away from his family and friends for what may be close to a 30-year journey. After leaving Robert's home, Granger made one last stop at his parents' farm. His stepfather would later find a note tacked to his bedroom door, 
The note read, quote, Dear Mother and Father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien spaceship. As reoccurring dreams assured a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe, then return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you, as I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. Love, Granger. End quote. In addition to this note, Granger left a will behind. He took special care to remove any mention of a funeral and replace the word death with departed. These were obviously altered in order to serve as instructions for his departure. He left to his mother and father all of his possessions and entrusted them with the care of his beloved golden retriever, Lady. This is the last thing that Granger Taylor did here on Earth. When the skies cleared and the citizens of Duncan came out to assess the damage the following morning, they soon realized that he was nowhere to be found. Robert Keller was convinced that he had gone when he didn't show up to get him at 8 a.m. that morning. Around 10 a.m., he phoned Granger's home and spoke with his sister. No one had seen him. Now, this wasn't out of the ordinary. No one worried, in fact, until it became a day, then two days, then a week with no sign of Granger anywhere. Talk began to spread through the community about what had happened to him. At one week, his parents reported him as a missing person, and the RCMP sprung into action. They mounted an intense search that included dozens of volunteers on foot and helicopter scans of the forest and mountain areas. Not a trace of Mr. Taylor was found anywhere. Above all else, they were dumbfounded by the ability to vanish a bright pink pickup truck. After one week of searching, they add his name to the National Registry and move on. Confused and devastated by his sudden disappearance, his family holds out hope. They leave the back gate of the family farm unlocked for years, hoping that he will return as stated in the letter. As the 42-month mark approached, the town lit up with speculation all over again. And while the townspeople began anticipating his return, Robert Keller understood the time differential, and as he expected, there was no triumphant return in 1984. In order to expedite the process of dealing with all of his possessions and finances, the Taylor family pronounced Granger dead in 1985. They never had a funeral. To this day, many members of the family still expect him to return, even if it isn't in their lifetime. Six years after Granger's disappearance, in March of 1986, while clearing a parcel of overgrown land on the side of Mount Prevost, a municipal work crew discovered what appeared to be the remains of a blue pickup truck, along with signs of a significant blast site. The RCMP was there within the day to investigate. They determined that the blast site had a radius of nearly 300 feet, with debris scattered as far as 600 feet from the center. Pieces of the truck were recovered from as high as 60 feet up in the surrounding trees. An engine block was recovered from over 100 feet from the center of the blast. The report describes the recovery of two human bones and pieces of a wool sweater. When part numbers were run against service records, they confirmed that the truck belonged to Granger Taylor. After examining the two recovered bones, the coroner's inquest ruled that, quote, due to circumstantial evidence found at the site, Granger succumbed to accidental massive injuries due to or as a consequence of the explosion, end quote. As far as the authorities were concerned, 
Granger Taylor was a missing person for five and a half years. Then he was recovered. However, friends and family remain unconvinced to this day. They maintain that too many assumptions were made during the investigation, that the authorities jumped to convenient conclusions. And so we're left with a mystery. Was Granger Taylor extracted from this world by a race of benevolent extraterrestrials? Is he flying across the cosmos to this day, expanding his already substantial expertise? Was he recruited by some black ops research division of an intelligence organization? Or was he a far lonelier man than his friends and family realized? Was this a suicide, befitting the fanciful imagination of Granger's creative genius? Will he one day make his triumphant return to Earth, bringing with him insights into interstellar travel that we can only imagine? One thing is certain. In his 32 years, Granger Taylor made a significant and positive impact on the people and places that he graced with his presence. Regardless of where he is today, this brilliant young man is missed dearly not only by his friends and family, but by the entire community of Duncan. We may never know what happened that fateful night during Vancouver Island's storm of the century, but if Granger ever does come home, we'll welcome him with open arms. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. This is the show. It is. Uh, uh, that was a weird one. Yeah? I, I don't know. I, I have some ideas already, but I kind of want to talk about everything else before we kind of get into that because, I don't know, I might be completely incorrect. Okay. So, now, all right. So, cut to back years, years ago. So, I guess, because I don't remember exactly when you said that he was had a dream that he was visited by this like alien civilization telling him about this massive storm and that he would basically be abducted at that point. Yeah, it was two months before um, he was abducted. So, okay. All right. I wasn't sure if it was when he was younger or if it was, if it was when he was older. I know he had told his friend, uh, his friend Robert about it, but I just wasn't for sure if it was then or you know, later. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a couple months before he disappeared. Cool. So basically, I mean, we we have this guy being, being visited in a dream, which I don't know if that stands to you know stands any proof or anything, um, or is you know that's information you can basically take with a grain of salt. Sure. You know, I mean, <laughs> being a dream. So you know, with that said, you know, it kind of bears to question. You know, was this kind of in his head or was it, did it actually occur? So, you know, but being that he had such a fascination with aliens and everything building up over, you know, over the course of his life and through his past endeavors and everything, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then also having, having his friend that had similar interests and everything, you know, it it was, could it have been something that actually happened or could it have been something that you know, was kind of built by his imagination as a, like something you wanted to happen. Yeah. And then basically dreamt it up. And then, you know, as I always hate to say, coincidentally, right. The storm happened on that day, you know, so that's a big fucking coincidence. That's right. Exactly. That's like the, that's the, the creepiest part of this for me is like, whether the dream was actual contact or, 
whether the dream even happened at all. It, yeah. I mean, he predicted the biggest storm in the history at the time of Vancouver Island. I mean, you said the storm was, what, 16 hours long yeah. or something like that? And it was a massive, uh, I forget whatever it was graded at. but yeah. it, like, it was a supercell. Yeah, a huge storm. Yeah. Like, yeah. it rains a lot there, but they don't have storm storms. Like, this was like fork lightning, massive yeah. thunder, super high speed winds. Like, it was a fucking storm. I mean, of course, being on, you know, western, western Canada, it does rain a lot there already. Yeah. But yeah, to experience such like a high degree storm would be out of the norm. Yeah, definitely. Especially at the end of November. Right. True. Yeah. Because I mean, at that point, you would expect, you know, at least some, maybe some kind of winter weather, snow, uh, sure. you know, like everything else. And Chillier for sure. Not just a, uh, right. Not just some random crazy tropical storm of sorts or whatever else. So. Yeah. Like, the news reports at the time called it the storm of the century. Sounds sounds like it was. Yeah. So, there's, like, I don't want to, like, jump ahead in your line of questioning or anything, but one thing I wanted to address fairly early on is there's a big discrepancy between the color of his truck that everyone knew, because he was known as the guy who drives the, the, like, Pepto-Bismol pink truck. And then the blue truck that was found. Right. That was going to be one of my one of my other questions as we got further into, yeah. you know, where I was looking for discrepancies and things like that. So, so like, all of the RCMP reports, they describe it as a blue truck, right? Right. But, okay, so I listened to, I forget who, who it was in the interview, but someone had a theory on this that I felt I felt pretty pretty solid about which is okay. the paints that were used at that time even in the factories were oil based right okay so any paint that was on that truck would have been burnt off in an explosion the paint would have been burnt off so what they did most likely every bit of it though I mean, this truck was in tiny pieces. The biggest piece recovered was the engine block, and it was just the engine block. Like, all the components were blasted off of it. Right. But, like, okay, so if that was the case, if all the paint was burned off, then all the reports would refer to the color of the truck based on the color that was on the registration for the vehicle. Right, yeah. Which was blue. So it was actually blue on the registration, one hundred percent. Yes. So who who painted it pink? Did yes. he paint it pink? Granger Taylor and actually Robert Keller <laughs> together. Yeah, they painted it pink. Uh, it was a wild cat, man. And this was the seventies. It sounds <laughs> like it. Yeah. So I well, I thought this was well. Yeah, I guess yeah, it would have been through the seventies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I I yeah. I mean that's fine. Yeah. It just, I mean, what a better way to draw attention to yourself in a town where, you know, as a child, I guess, as he got older, he became less introverted, yeah. uh, you know, through his means of becoming a mechanic and all of that. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, especially being like an introverted person and stuff like, you know, you're driving around in this bright ass pink truck, you're going to get some recognition. For yeah, it. for sure. Well, you know how young introverts or, are like they don't want any attention but they also kind of want attention 
crave right, the attention. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because you run away from it and you also miss it. That's so. true. That's true. So, yeah. yeah I, well, okay. So, now, I mean, and it could have also been some shitty paint. Yeah. You know, so, like, yeah, I mean, it, it could have literally been, like, spray painted or however it was done, you know, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just, I still find it just hard to believe that there would be every single piece of the truck that was recovered would be a different color at that point. I mean, granted, blast, whatever, and whether it was, you know, whatever type of paint it was, like, I don't know, it just seems a little strange. Yeah. I mean, the way I've seen the, seen the, the blast site, um, described, I mean, you're talking about a little 60s model Datsun pickup truck that was like scattered across a 600 foot radius. Like I've heard it just the way I've heard it described. It was in literally like tiny pieces. Yeah. So I don't know an all consuming blast like that. I could see burning all the paint off. I mean, that's, that's definitely possible. But I think there's a possibility that there could be some that would still have at least remnants of, you know, the additional, the additional paint. They may have just not been able to tell what was what and just went with the registration color. Maybe it was like too charred that it almost gave it uh, a bluer shade to and also and then went with what was on the registration. Right. Yeah. So or maybe they were just like, oh, a couple of these pieces are pink. That's weird. And then just went ahead with the registration color. Right, that's that's possible too, I guess. Yeah. So, did anybody ever question that? Oh, yeah. Like after, like his family, did they did they reach out and be like, "Yeah, that's not right. He he drove this. Like that doesn't match." I mean, the interviews that I've listened to with his friend Robert and his sister, they they kind of just took the story and like because it was only five years later at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. Five years from when he had disappeared, so... Yeah, it was like five and a half years. Um, But they... Like, they talk shit about the findings after the fact, but I don't think they, like, fought it at the time. Huh. It it seems like something that I would would at least kind of question. Yeah. You know, especially if his family does buy into the possibility that he's traveling with this alien... Uh, you know, civilization, whatever, like, yeah, you know, if they, if they do buy that and they expect him to return one day, like, I would think that they'd be like, yeah, no bitch, you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like, it just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's strange. Well, I mean, definitely strange. back in the 80s, that may have been an opinion that, that was held closer to the vest. You know what I mean? Like, they may have been less forthcoming with their belief that he was actually traveling with aliens. Right. right. True. Yeah. Like we're I've noticed that we're already sort of starting to take for granted how how mainstream the idea of aliens are now. Yeah. Like even even right. 10 years ago if you like believed if you believed in like alien abductions you were weird. Yeah, and now we have you know every new show that comes out or every yep. Like new person that starts to get into it gets in it gets their own show sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah, it's becoming more and more popular. I mean, you have sure. you have sitting senators ha- holding 
committee hearings on investigating UFOs. Like, it's True. it's about as mainstream as it gets now, which is awesome. I love that. Which it should yeah, be exactly. right. Exactly, yeah. it should be, and it should have been should have been from a like a long time ago. I don't think it would have been as nearly. Yeah, it would have been bad as bad, nearly as bad as like they had they had anticipated at least. Yeah. You know, before anything else was released, that yeah, like we actually know that there are UFOs out there, and we don't know where they come from, sort of yeah. thing. Versus like just trying to keep it all hush hush, and yeah, it's not really real. Like you guys are wrong, basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just that acknowledging. I think is huge for as sure. the government gets more and more transparent about this i think they're finding they're quickly finding how big of a mistake it was to not be transparent from the get-go because even if they are really trying to be honest now no one fucking believes it because we're talking about 80 uh, years of being lied to also true too (laughs) right exactly yeah yeah that's that's very true and people people just nobody's ever happy you know i mean that's what i told you before that before that big report came out i i told you no matter what it says people are gonna go yeah yeah sure okay right yeah yeah and that's exactly what happened yep so yeah and i don't know i mean there there are of course the people that are are stoked you know, like like yeah. we like that are that are pumped that it's actually now being acknowledged and becoming so so out there and so open and you know becoming such a common yeah. thing. Um, which I mean, I do get I do get like the hesitation and yeah, like being that for so long, you know, it was kept under lock and key and you know was we were made to feel stupid because we believed in something that seemed you know just really dumb or childish or you know just far-fetched and out there and yeah who was who was right and who was wrong right i mean you and i love this stuff but there are people who have dedicated their lives to it for decades and like for 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 those people i understand that this is a bit like an abusive partner telling you they promise they won't hit you again you know right i mean it's basically a smack in the face at that point yeah like and like you know, they're like, oh, no, I know I've been lying to you for almost a century, but I promise we're telling the truth this time. <laughs> like, I get it. I get the hesitation. Yeah. It's it's That's hard true. to buy it. That's true. But anyway. That's definitely a way to look at it for sure that kind of yeah. makes more sense. But, <clears throat> but yeah, anyhow. Yeah, so another thing I found weird was one of the other things they used to to determine that it was Granger- Taylor and his truck was this mm-hmm. scrap of a sweater of like a, a wool sweater that was recovered at the okay. scene. So they reported that they that they spoke with Granger's mother and confirmed that the piece of the sweater that was found was one that Granger owned. Okay. But okay. In an interview, Robert Keller said that when he discussed it with the mother, she denied having ever been asked about it. Huh. So that's a bit of like third hand from Robert Keller, but like still, that's, right. it's weird. That is definitely weird. And plus, the part of that that doesn't make sense to me is we we already we already got done talking about the uh-huh. truck, right? The truck being so 
torn to pieces and you know so whatever that it's now blue and it was pink or (laughs) whatever however you want to look at that but yet they find a piece of a sweater that they can take they can take and say hey you know this and confirm that this is something yeah i find that hard to believe if especially if everything else is in such small pieces that it's hard to like really you know make sense of. yeah if the blast was so severe how, that, do, you, how do you have that yeah if the blast was so severe that the truck was in tiny pieces and they literally only found two bone fragments that's all the human remains i was gonna say and then the bones too right so how if the explosion yeah. was that severe did a little scrap of wool sweater survive true but you have to leave room for the fact that weird shit happens in explosions you know what I mean? I mean? True. Right. And that's why I think like there would at least be some of that paint that's still yeah. pink. <laughs> I'm still on it. Like, you know, I would still I would expect yeah. that. But, you know, again, weird stuff does definitely happen. Uh yeah. But yeah, it's it's yeah, that 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 also didn't make a whole lot of sense. And that's why I like I, I kind of just shrug that off as whatever. Like they said they found this. I mean, yeah, they might there might be some shit out there that like you know, like some leftover like clothes. I mean, how often can you like trek through the woods or the forest and a find scrap like, of sweater, an old random sock, yep. or like right, you know, something like that? Like maybe, maybe in that area they just happened to stumble upon someone else's like something that had been there for a while yeah. that had nothing, you know, had no effect or wasn't wasn't affected by the explosion. Could have been, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, just little little things that yeah don't really add well, up. Well, it's like it's easy to toss that aside, but that's one of the main things they used to determine that this was Granger Taylor. So it's that it makes it kind of significant. Yeah, you know, right. like I don't know the sweater thing's dicey because between what Robert Keller said about the mother telling and him and what they said that the mom yeah. actually said, yeah, yeah, it's just weird. But also look at it like this is 1985 at this yep. point. If this was modern day, like it, we would we would be able to we'd be able to have a lot more information. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, you know, in the 80s, like yeah, they you know like investigations weren't as thorough. We didn't have access to all the tools, all the and, DNA, evidence. You know, things that we have now. Exactly. Yep. So because they could have easily tried to find some fibers on that, and then tested against like the mom's dna and found a match and been like yeah this is him like we have solid evidence instead of is this like like a sweater your kid might (laughs) have worn cool he's dead sorry like yeah it's i know and maybe i'm looking too much into that no it's it's true the a big part of this is the fact that they're the dna the idea of testing evidence for dna was like in its infancy at this point and right the authorities in a small town on vancouver island did not have access to dna testing that's also what i was gonna say i mean with this being like duncan being such like a small like sleepy little town basically yeah. um you know so they're yeah they're they're gonna have very minor things and you know and in a case like that it's not gonna be they're not gonna really reach out to you know more like wider spread yeah uh, you know, police in larger cities or anything, because again, such a small town and just a disappearance. And they find, you know, this truck, this sweater, a couple bones, yep. and it's easy to just kind of put two and two yep. together. Um, and make make a call at that point. That's the so, thing. You know, I'm, I'm speaking of speaking yeah. of the bones. 
they found one bone that was six inches by one inch that they said was uh, one of, was part of the upper arm bone, and they found one okay. much smaller bone fragment, like one inch, like a one inch shard of bone. That's all the human remains they found. Hmm. It couldn't be tested for DNA, like we discussed, right? Yeah, and but and so because of that, the bones officially were ruled inconclusive as to whether it was Granger Taylor or not, and it couldn't. They couldn't even determine whether the bones belonged to a man or a woman. So, yeah. I mean, having such small, right, small yeah. amount of of evidence at that point, it's it's going to be hard to hard to know for yeah. sure. Whereas now they could like use computer program to reconstruct a bone based on what they right. had of and like determine at least whether it was a man or a woman. And they could certainly determine DNA, get DNA off of it now. Yeah. And that's the big that's the big thing because you'd think these bones could be tested now. Right? Let's yeah. let's test True. them. Right? Except Every single piece of evidence recovered during this investigation is now missing. So who did that? Yeah. Maybe maybe a person that knew they made the wrong call and trying to, you know, cover their tracks yeah, basically. Maybe. Or did Mr. Granger uh Mr. Granger Taylor come back with his alien friends? Swipe them up. Steal all the evidence <laughs> and you know went back out. Like I, I mean, I highly doubt that, but still, like, yeah, that is a little. I mean, weird. okay, so there's a thing: police departments destroy and discard evidence when it's no longer needed. That is a thing, but they, when they were asked to explain, they didn't say the evidence was destroyed or discarded. They specifically said it went missing, that they don't know where it is. Hmm. Which is odd. Misplaced. And like, you know, we're talking about this small little town of Duncan, which, fun fact, is actually the smallest town by area in all of British Columbia. It's a tiny oh, town. Okay. It's convenient. But yeah. The people who investigated this were not the Duncan Police Department. They were the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. It was their, it's basically Canada's version of the yeah. FBI. They're like serious fucking business, right? Like, they don't fuck up. They don't like this is not a thing I mean, where they just lose evidence. Right. They're yeah. like Yeah, that's not something you would expect. So maybe it's uh, somebody covering covering up yeah, something. Yeah, could be. Was they, you know, maybe maybe there's somebody on the inside. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, we here in America like to make like there are lots of jokes made about like the Mounties, you know? But, right. like, they're one of the most respected law enforcement agencies on Earth. Like, they really are. They're, like, right up there with the FBI, with, like, Scotland Yard, with... Yeah. So, it's weird to me yeah. that they would make a mistake like that. Especially in, like, a yeah, basically I... unsolved case. Right. I mean, well, till they made the call that they they did and you know whatever but yeah i mean for it to just go missing 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard, uh, I, you know, you hear of things like there's been evidence that have been misplaced that they found and whatever else, like you know, little things like that. Uh, but you know, for, for them to also say it's completely yeah. missing is is a little bit out of the ordinary for yeah. sure. So I wanted to look into this a little more, and in a Vice documentary or in a Vice article, sorry, about this. They actually asked a current member of the RCMP about this situation, right? And he explained, quote, Human remains involved in an investigation are usually turned over to the coroner's service, who then offers the remains to the family. I would assume that that his remains were offered to the family for proper burial or whatever disposal method is in line with their wishes. End quote. And like... But the family went on record to say that that no remains were ever offered to them. Right. And they also never had a funeral exactly. or anything like that, though, at least that anybody knew about. Right. So like the friend Robert Keller, his whole thing is like, you made all these conclusions based on this evidence, but where the fuck's the evidence? Yeah, that's a good question. Like none of the family or friends ever got to see any of the evidence. They were never like shown any of the proof. Supposed proof? Nothing. Huh. All right. So that's that's where it feels like a cover up. Yeah, it feels weird. There's there's something yeah, there's something to it for sure. Okay. All right. So that's that's kind of helping with my you know, kind of form form an opinion or at least form an an idea of what I what I think here. Yeah. Okay. All right. So kind of getting back though. Uh, talking about uh, Granger, Granger's like development after he dropped out of the like his eighth what dropped out of the eighth yep, grade, he finished grade eight, um, became a mechanic, built a built a car, then a bulldozer, and then a plane, yep. like a World War Two yeah. plane, I believe. Is yeah, what you had said. World War Two Kitty Hawk um, airplane. Right, and then also went on to build a, a flying saucer. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, obviously was it, I don't, I don't think it was functioning. No, no, no. You said it was mainly used as like a clubhouse, yeah. but still pretty damn cool. Like that's Yeah. Really and there neat. are awesome photos of all these builds that are 100% going to be on our Instagram all over our Instagram this week. Awesome. Like they're so cool, dude. I like, I like d- have developed a connection with this guy over the last like two weeks. Like seen so many pictures of like him with his family and him like working on stuff and like yeah. I would kill to hang out with this guy like to just sit and yeah. talk I UFOs mean, in his fucking flying saucer would be amazing <laughs> right to be Robert yes. Keller like <laughs> it'd be awesome I mean first of all just hang out in a flying saucer like it's exactly nothing, you know like yeah it's just something I'm doing today um, but then also yeah you have somebody that's as like as as deep and as in depth, like, you know, into it as you are that like, you know, you can literally sit in this flying saucer for hours talking about flying saucers, talking about aliens. Like, you know, yeah, that would be super cool. I'm yeah. I'd be so into that. He just wait till you see the pictures. He literally looks like a guy we would hang out with. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's why we need to channel Mr. Taylor. See if we can exactly. See if we can gain his presence. Get him tonight. here from across the universe, right? Yeah, it, maybe he's still out there. You know? Yeah, I'm into it. 
I mean, so what was the amount of time that he was... I forget exactly the the exact amount that he was supposed four, to be gone. Because I know it was by four years, 42 right? months. So three and a half years. Okay. Right. So, yeah, almost four years. So by that time, he wasn't here. Then, obviously, the way that time on Earth works versus right. wherever yeah. he's at. I mean, he could be he could be a million years away right, right now. You know, if if he's out, you know, with yeah, doing his alien. Yeah, stuff. I mean, that whole um, concept of time dilation is like if he's traveling at ninety nine percent of the speed of light, then forty two forty two months would be close to thirty years here on Earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so kind of looking looking at it like that. That's gonna be a little that was bit some different. intense math I had to do. But way, in anticipation for this, but you would, I would expect at least, you know, so if we are looking at 30, let's say 30 to 40 years, so we yeah. have a gap, right? So even with that, though, we would be roughly at that time yeah. now, you know, for, for him to make, you know, make his grand entrance, uh, re-entry yeah. rather. Um, but obviously there's, there's never been any other information or any other um, activity or anything that's kind of came about because of this, yeah. right? So, like, there's never been like any like, oh, well, this, you know, this had to have been Granger and blah blah, blah. like little, you know, like the pillows in a different angle <laughs> right. or something. Like, yeah, I, I, now I'm now I'm like looking at like right, right. and stuff, but still like same concept, right? Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, I you know, and with with that. You know, again, looking at if we are looking at it, if it's like 30 to 40 years, depending on where he's at, like I said, it could be a lot more. Yeah, it could be, you know, he could be, he could be hundreds yeah. of years away. Um, you know, and so, yeah, it maybe a couple centuries from now, he's gonna come back and be like, well, it's not the right. 80s anymore. Oh, there's no um, breathable oxygen left on Earth. <laughs> where's my <laughs> big truck? Um, no, um, I had another theory about the time, the amount of time as well. Like, okay, so right. if you've ever spoken to anyone whose first language, like anyone from Spain or Italy, you notice that they mix up thousand and million a lot. Like, because because okay. milli, that common thing, it means thousand and million. Okay, so I'm thinking maybe there's like some discrepancy there. They meant... They said 42 months, but they meant 42 years, which would mean he's coming right. back next year. I just okay. really like that idea. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, if we have some, like, in the news, like, man claiming to be Robert Keller, blah, blah, like, or, or not Robert <laughs> Keller, sorry, uh, Granger yeah. Taylor. <laughs> I was thinking about Robert, the, the whole, them hanging out in the, US, the flying saucer right. still. Um, but you know, thinking about uh, yeah, so we have this person claiming to be Granger Taylor, um, you know, making whatever. We're, like, we're getting him on know, the show. I think, I think I'd buy into yeah. that. I'd buy into that pretty. If pretty he comes hard, back, actually. we're getting him on the show, hundred percent. So now we're gonna get like lots of messages. Hey, Granger <laughs> right. Taylor here. Uh, <laughs> heard you guys are talking about me. If any of you listeners know about the whereabouts of Granger <laughs> Taylor, please send an email. Uh, yep. I, sorry, I just want a little unsolved mysteries. 
on you. It be it would be hilarious right. though. Like I, I'm not gonna lie, I would I would entertain it for a minute. Even if you're if you're uh, an improv actor willing to pretend to be Granger Taylor, I'll interview you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Um, also. Another thing I really dug is that he rebuilt this uh, this steam train. Yes, really, really cool. And then what? Turn around. He spent two years rebuilding it, and then it was purchased by, well, by uh, you know, by the area, uh, yeah, local, I, maybe a local train. The, no, state, the, the province. What it was. The province bought it. British Columbia. So the, the entire bought it for the museum. Yeah. Okay. All right. I wasn't sure if that was part of the museum too. Yep. Okay, cool. So yeah. So, you know, to go on the display, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty neat. Like, yeah. I mean, a car, you know, like some of the, that's, that's pretty cool. Like a bulldozer. It's a bit more impressive, but like the a train, yeah. like that's, that's yeah. Yeah. That's super. That's solid. some like, that's some mad scientist shit. That's some like doc Brown. It from really Back is. to the future shit. Just building your own train. I, I've never heard of anybody else doing that. So, yeah. you know, that's pretty awesome. I mean, and the way this thing was described when he found it, it was literally just like all he had to work with was the frame. Right. Everything else was destroyed, I mean, like rusted. And it sounded, it sounded kind of like overgrown yep. and, you know, something you'd see out of like a post-apocalyptic, like, yes. you know, scene, right? Yep. And then he just brings it back to life, which is super cool. Yeah, yeah. I found the train and the World War II like fighter yeah, plane I mean, to yeah, be super that was, impressive. That was also really cool. He actually mm-hmm. flew the damn plane. He rebuilt it and flew it. Like how really how badass awesome. is that? And yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that would be so cool. Yeah, but like this guy went on to do some really neat stuff. Yeah. You know, from dropping out of the eighth grade, like, yep. you know, that's, which is strange in itself, but, you know, like, you wouldn't expect, like, that to come out of this guy. Yeah, he was just like, but yet, like, he was just a mechanical genius. Like, apparently school wasn't for him. Yeah. Like, he didn't need it, right? you know? He didn't. <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's super cool, too. Like, you know, that's, that's his, like, haha, I'll show you sort of thing. Right. No, it's really cool, though. So, he, when he rebuilt the train and he had it for over a year before he sold it, he constructed yeah. three, 300 feet, 300 feet or 300 yards. I'm not sure of track on the farm. Yeah. And he would like take the neighborhood kids on train rides, like down <laughs> the 300 yards of track. And then he'd just throw it in reverse and go back. But just, yeah, yeah fully functioning steam engine. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy sounds like a genius. Yeah. It's insane. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, which is, you know, it, and then go on to build a non-functioning saucer. Yep. I mean, they, you know, that's maybe not as, like, as impressive. Yeah. But it's pretty awesome nonetheless. Like, Yeah, I see that as, know, like... Just, go ahead. I was going to say, just the way that, like he continued to develop over like over and over and into something you know even better even cooler like and more impressive each time yeah uh, yeah i so. see i see the saucer as like a monument to his to his obsession really right yeah same same that's that's definitely what i see it as and and also just a really cool like talking point yeah 
Definitely. Like, you know, you talk about like, oh yeah, this is what my house looks like. You know, we've got this in our backyard. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've got a damn UFO in my backyard, all right? So Imagine throwing that thing on Zillow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I bet it would I bet it would go for quite a bit now. Probably. Especially modern day. Right. Um, all right. So so at that point, uh we we have Granger basically prepping on on his November 29th day. Uh you had said that he went into like a local like cafe or diner or something. I think it was like basically a basically dressed yeah, in It was like a bar, but yeah. Okay. But dressed in like summer clothing. Yep. Like he was about to go on vacation or something. Yeah. And everybody else is like, you know, you know, thinking like, why, why are you, you know, why, what is wrong with you? Yeah. You know, it's first of all, the end of November and we're also expecting this massive storm or something. You know, I would expect at that point, like, you know, everybody's prepping. Yeah. Like people know about it at least at that point. And they point. can see it coming. Right. right. Yeah. So, and you've got him just out there, just, you know, living his best life basically. Yep. And then... You know, then he goes, tells Robert, Robert tries to get him to go with, uh, or, you know, get him to let him go, which it's kind of a bummer yeah. that he didn't let him. Like, I mean, if it were me, I'd be like, hey, my buddy's super into it too. Like, you know, he's got something to offer, I'm sure. Yeah. Here's an important <laughs> thing about Robert. Okay. When all this, when all this right. happened, when he disappeared, Granger was 32, right? And Robert was 17. They're not the same age. Oh, okay. So, so I I didn't realize Robert was that much younger. Yeah. So basically right. when Robert was like eight or nine years old, his dad had done some work with Granger, like around the farm, and um and Robert took to him and he when Robert dropped out basically of, became like his mentor yes. or something or Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Robert became like his protege. Yeah. Which is cool. Like that's cool, and it yeah. it is a bummer that he went and like in the interview you can see him like you you can hear him getting like choked up and stuff talking about it, right? And like there's but like it makes more sense to you know like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean, you're not gonna take a little like a 17 year old kid first of all yeah you know like that's not gonna be allowed I'm sure you sure. know. Even though it sounds like the dad thought it, thought it was just as funny <laughs> yeah. and told him to take him, yeah. Um, but like, yeah. So I mean, that, yeah, that that does make a lot more. Um, so getting back to that though, so then he does that, and then um, we have the note that he had left, basically saying he's going to go away on an alien spaceship, and yeah, he'd be back, you know, be back in some odd amount of time, and then also leaving a will, making sure to. Uh, be specific in his wording. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, which is a good idea. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, it's a good idea to leave one in the first place. Definitely. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that the wording really makes a difference because at that point is he like, so when you think I'm, uh, what was it? So when you think, uh, I'm, I'm departed, not, <laughs> uh, -huh deceased or dead or whatever like you know feel free to let people have my stuff but i'll be back for it don't worry <laughs> no he um, like, he basically like basically in the will it's like where it used to say once i'm deceased it, he changed it to once i've departed and right. like you know he basically changed it from 
what to do when I die to how to handle all my stuff when I when I leave. Right. Right. Yeah. And he took out any mention of a funeral or anything like that. And yeah, it was basically just instructions on what to do with his stuff and who would take care of his dog when he left. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, just a little a little strange, but you know, again, a good idea doing so. Um because he also didn't know what to expect either. Yeah. Right. So but yeah, so then basically um you know, after this happens, after a week, you know, after a week passes by, uh family reports him as as a missing person basically. They start diving into it. We've got everybody, you know, search parties, things like that, out looking for them. Yep, helicopters, um, the full nine yards. Right, but they didn't find anything till five years later. Correct. Even though they had a massive search party out and everything, and which again doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. Yeah, which makes me think that that blast happened sometime after they were searching for him, and it was that's what I would completely think. unrelated. Right. Exactly. Sure. But this so, is but this is vast wilderness. I mean, Mount Prevost is I mean, like yeah. it's it's huge and it's you're talking about like temperate rainforest, like it's this is gnarly climate and conditions. Like it would not be weird right. to miss something, even something six hundred feet in diameter. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean that's that's possible. But the fact that they also had so many search parties and helicopters and things out, they would have seen something if there was that blast and everything that actually happened at that time. See, that's... I, yeah. They would have had to have. Because you'd think that the right? blast would be more obvious the week after than right, it was yeah. five years later, right? But right, exactly. That was my thought. I try to keep in mind that this is the exact same... Um, this is the exact same terrain that we argue Bigfoot can disappear into. Right? True. Like, it's... But... This is vast, I mean, vast forests. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I suppose you're right. But, I, I don't know. Just for a tit. Like, if it was maybe a year later... Sure. I wouldn't be questioning it so much. Yeah. As opposed to five. Yeah. Like that's that's where it just you know things don't line up specifically. Um, but yeah, so then you know now we also have the family still expecting him to return. Yep. Up until at least up until the forty-two months. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Um. You know, and then and then still expecting, and at least up until like they had found this quote-unquote, you know, his sweater <laughs> and car parts and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I, I don't know, you know, it's like I said, little things that just don't, don't sit right with sure. me. Um, but so, and again, at that point, so we have them saying that, yeah, they talked to the mother, the mother confirmed the sweater's his, Robert talked to the mom, never found anything. Yep. They never, you know, they, it was expected that they had received the bones and stuff, but they never received anything. Um, so are they still like, I mean, you know, and you, you've looked at or watched some of the interviews and everything. Are they still expecting him to return? Yes. Like, is that something that they're still like, yeah, it's going to happen or, you know, like, yes, the, so it's the only people, huh, okay. the only people that I've seen interviewed on it is Robert Keller and his sister. I believe her name's gay. His sister. 
Okay. Um, they both, the sister, not so much. The sister's like, you know, I hope he's out there somewhere. Like, I hope right. he's I mean, enjoying what course. he's doing, you know, and he's, she's like, I like to think that he's out there, you know, maybe with the aliens, like learning things he never thought he'd ever, you know, get to learn. But Robert Keller is straight up 100% believer. Like, yeah, I mean, well, this dude is 100% yeah. convinced that like, whether it's in his lifetime, his grandchildren, his grandchildren's grandchildren, that Granger Taylor is going to return at some point and come visit someone in his family. He's like, yeah, I mean, well, shoot, like, uh, Robert, Robert's got to be, you know, in his late forties at this point. Right. So yeah. Fifties, fifties, almost 60 or, or fifties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fifties. Yeah, sorry. Um, so I mean, you know, I could see, I could see like eventually like being like, yeah, you know, like I was younger, you know, it was something we both loved. And then, you know, like now I think, you know, it's most likely not the case or whatever. But if he's like still like an adamant believer in everything, yeah, you know, and he's a grown ass man, he's a tax attorney, <laughs> like so. Yeah, I think it gives it it gives it a bit more. You know, it, I don't know. It just it makes it a bit more believe almost believable. Yeah, but the fact that you know, I mean, obviously Granger believed it enough to make Robert believe it. And maybe Robert just loved, like, loved Granger so much, like, he believed everything he said. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say. I mean, he obviously, um, he was his yeah. protege, so it wouldn't be a stretch to think that he idolized Granger, you know? Right. Um, and he was his best friend, you know? So, like, who wouldn't rather True. think that, <laughs> you know? True, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, that's, that's where I'm, you know, I... Like I said, just trying to decide 100% what I fully think. But, you know, I think I personally like to believe that it really happened. You know, that it really happened. My thing, though, is is I think, like, coming, coming to you in a dream sort of thing, like, that is harder for me to believe that, you know, some... I don't know. It's just harder for me to believe. But, you know, it could have been... It wouldn't really be a premonition at that point. It'd be, huh? I don't know. I mean, um, I I mean, I don't fi- I don't find that to be as defining a line because, like, most alien encounters that I hear of, I they they read like dreams to me anyway. Right. True. And they you know and then there's there's also cases where they can get in people's heads. Right manipulate their thoughts and things like and that and communicate right? telepathically so exactly right. so it's i guess it's not a stretch for that to be a possibility yeah so but yeah i think that's kind of where i where i sway a little bit um because i mean there's so many little things that just don't add up i don't believe the whole thing about them finding his i mean you know maybe maybe they did find his truck fuck it like maybe <laughs> they found it but who's to say it hasn't been sitting there all these years? Right. And they uncover a couple, you know, pieces of some human bones that may have been there for a lot longer. Yeah. Or may have been more fresh. Sure. You know? <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it's it, 
like I said, little things that I, I don't think it, he was just found dead. Yeah. I think if he's not out there with the aliens, he I think he was just looking for something new, looking for something different. Okay. You know, there's a big part of this that I expected you to ask me about that you haven't, which is which is the explosion. Like the supposed explosion, like what mm-hmm. would what how that would have come about? What would I mean? My 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 kind of a, assumption, I guess, was that this craft landed and ended up catching this whole area on fire, and maybe ended up this truck might have been in. Which again, it's the truck. I don't know if I buy that. It's like very. If that's even part of it. Okay. But this big area, crater-like area, you know, I, I just kind of chalked up to just a crash, like a craft land. Okay. A lot of people bring up the fact that Granger had access to dynamite, to a lot of dynamite, because he did. He used okay. it on the farm to, like, remove stumps, tree stumps, right? right? Like, in, like, in podcast after podcast after article documentary they all talk about him having this case of dynamite on the farm right and they assume that that's what caused the explosion right that he took dynamite up with him but again robert keller which after a while he starts to seem less credible to me like he's just like bending every fact to make it look more and more like his friend is palling around with aliens instead of dead right i mean yeah but like Robert Keller in an interview said that they went to buy a brand new case of dynamite two weeks before he disappeared, right? And that right. after he vanished, he went in, he went out to the farm to to have a conversation with Granger's mother, and in the shed, the dynamite was still there. Okay, that's just what he said. But I don't know. Right. I don't know. It seems awfully convenient so it, that like, he just remembers everything that discounts all of the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean that too, that too. It's, you know, it's, there are, there are little things that, you know, I'm, I'm sure like in a lot of cases, you know, you have this guy just trying to, you know, try to make sure that, you know, his, his buddy is portrayed as, what what he was like what he saw him sure. as you know and not like others might portray him and maybe he was a little crazy maybe you know maybe whatever yeah you know made sure that he was actually seen like yeah he was a brilliant you know he was brilliant he's up there with the aliens like you know that that was his you know that was his like purpose and everything yeah. um you know which like i said it, it's it's one of those where because it's aliens. Because we're talking about it. That's what I want to sort right. of do. Um, and just the little things that don't make any sense to me that I don't buy. Yeah. You know, it gives it that much more credence at, at, at that point. But there are also other things that I'm just like, well, you know. I'm sure there's an explanation more that, you know, more than could be, you know, than was said. Yeah. Um. But that's where also I think, like, if he's not, you know, not doing that, 
nobody's really found him dead yet, besides those couple of little bone fragments. Yeah. But I don't buy that those were his. Yeah, I don't know about the bones. Like, I go back and forth on how on how strong the evidence is for the entire blast site, right? Yeah. Like that's the that's the hardest uh, I think that's probably the hardest part about it is but just the fact that it was found 5 years later and I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like there was any question to how old or how current these items were. Yeah. Like it doesn't it definitely doesn't seem thorough. Like the family's main complaint is that the investigators jump to convenient conclusions, which I definitely I stand behind that. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that for sure. So here's the thing. I didn't include in the story, but I think it's really cool. Like and I think it may have spurred Granger Taylor's obsession with UFOs. Okay. Alright. So on New Year's Eve of 1969, two nurses at Cowagen District Hospital reported seeing a flying saucer outside the children's wing. This is like the hospital... Like close or just they saw it out the window? Out the window. Okay, so... Okay. They described it as silent and brilliantly lit... And they saw two humanoid pilots through the window of the craft. Oh, so it was close enough for them to actually see. Yes. And, okay. Yeah, it was like hovering outside the hospital. This is like a few miles from the Taylor farm. Okay. Later right. that morning and the next day, there are dozens of similar UFO reports all over Duncan. All over the town. So like five school teachers and a pilot in the Royal Canadian Naval Air Service are part of the people who report sightings. So that happened in 69. That was around the time that Granger was working on the train. Okay, I was going to I was going to say and like to kind of put it in perspective, kind of a timeline. Yeah. So, all right. All right. So, I mean, we have him at that point, you know, he's in what? his 20s. Late Yeah, I was going to say either late teens or early yeah. 20s. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's around the time. I mean, you're also talking, like, around the same time Star Wars came out. There's, like, a general love of UFOs sweeps the, you know, sweeps the Western world. Right? The, like, late 60s, early 70s, mid-70s. That's, like, high times for UFOs. Right? Yeah. 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 I just thought that was cool. Like... Yeah, I mean, it happened right there in that hmm. tiny town. And that maybe he happened to see it, possibly. And then it kind of sparked his interest and, you know. Or maybe that's when they found him. Or or that could be the case, too. Yeah. But why why him, of all people, though? Because he was a genius. Maybe that's what piqued their interest. I mean, yeah, I would, I would like to think, I, I would, I would like to say. I mean, obviously, this this guy was very talented. He knew what he was doing, uh, well beyond that that yeah. he should, at least that I would expect. So, you know, maybe they maybe they were looking for a new engineer or something. Sure, like or some someone just to learn, or maybe they saw him as like 
he already knows this much. Like, imagine the things that like we could teach, and yeah, you know, he could become like this, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe they just saw him as like this is the guy who is who would actually be capable of acquiring this knowledge we have to give. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that I mean, I think you know that that does add a little bit more to it because. You know, just the fact that, like, he got super into aliens and UFOs and stuff like that, like, you know, it, it's kind of seemed to happen out of nowhere. But as it does with many people, you know, it just kind of sparks their interest, it, whether it be some occurrence or just the idea, right? Yep. So. Okay. There's... Yeah, I'm... <sighs> I can see you're you're balancing on the fence. There, let me tell you about some of the other theories real quick. All right, okay. all right, yeah, let's go for it. So, there's a theory that he was taken by the government for his like mechanical and engineering skills, right? Like that's that's possible, yeah. For and like, I mean, like recruited into some like some intelligence, like CIA or right. like R and D department, some like some maybe like fringe department yeah. as well, like maybe. Because you know we've we've taken old craft and things like that and try to rebuild them, and we do have alien craft, you know, access to alien craft that we've had for many years as well. Maybe they pulled him down. So who's to, to stay? Yeah, exactly. Maybe they pulled him down to yeah. Area Fifty One to start like reverse engineering alien crafts and shit. That I mean, that right there could be a good, a good explanation, and. His thing, like, you know, as a way, they they told him, like, you can't tell anybody about this. Yeah. Otherwise, like, you know, I mean, they they don't take kindly to secrets. Right. Being, to being outed. You being, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe maybe that's a possibility. That's, yeah, I, I like that idea. Yeah. You just like okay. that idea because it's more realistic and it also has to do with aliens. And it also <laughs> still keeps them, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's still within what I would like to what I'd like to think. Yeah. Okay, let's keep it going. Okay, so <clears throat> he had a lot of friends that he communicated with primarily through written letter in Colombia. I'm not sure why. I've just I was going to say that's kind of yeah, weird. I'm not right? I'm not sure how he connected with them or when that happened, but it's like it was common knowledge and confirmed by you know, the Granger Taylor expert himself, Robert Keller, that he had <laughs> that he had a lot of friends in Colombia. And years before this happened, he had discussed moving down to South America with some of those friends. Cause there was a lot of money to be made in like rebuilding the infrastructure down there. Okay. So there's a theory that he basically went out, blew up his truck, and then Jumped on a plane to South America. Blew up his truck five years later? Like, where was he the whole time? <laughs> no. Like, blew up his truck. I don't buy that his truck yeah, was blown up in, in 1980. I know. There's no way. That's going to split us. That area would also be extremely overgrown over the last five years. Yeah. Or he it just... still just be this charred crater. Or like, he just pushed his truck into the fucking ocean and jumped on a plane. Or, or that, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I don't know. That that one's a little weird to me. There isn't a lot to it other than that he had friends down there and he had briefly discussed going there. 
I think that sounds like someone just embellishing, or well, not even embellishing, just like fabricating some random story. Yeah. I, I yeah, I don't buy that at all. I mean, every famous disappearance, someone says, "What about South America?" <laughs> right. Like, that's where everyone yeah. goes to disappear. Yeah, of course. Like if we go by that, so, then mean, like Elvis and fucking. Like they're all there. Tupac and fucking I, <laughs> everyone. I was also Hitler. recently. I was recently told Steve Jobs uh, is yeah. he? He's actually been alive this whole time, and he uh, is responsible for the new Q phone that's coming out. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like the quantum, uh, what was it? Like quantum en- engineering stuff. Quantum like, computer. All based around like yeah, all based around like space and stuff like that. And this new phone that's coming out, Steve Jobs is actually the one that's responsible for it. Faked his death, and he's been like basically hidden behind this curtain for the last, you know, how how I can't even remember how like when when exactly he passed, but yeah, that sounds like something like that. Yeah, that's just as crazy. Like that just made me laugh yeah. as soon as I heard it. I I couldn't help it, but people believe these things. Yeah, which is the sad part. The, so, I mean, uh, you know, there's this weird thing that. Like anyone, anyone who people believe has faked their death, they have to go to South America. Like that's the only place to go. If you're going to fake your death, you instantly go to Argentina. Like, I I don't know. I mean, you know, Dexter did. Right. And then he moved to Maine, Massachusetts, whatever, wherever he's at now. Sure. Um, you know, there's all those, all the rumors. Cause a lot of, I think... You know, I, actually, I think I just realized why that is. Because so many of the Nazis that escaped persecution after World War II relocated to South America. They fled to South America. Yeah. And that's like common knowledge. That's a known thing. So now anyone who fakes their death or escapes some, you know, anything. That's the only rational place for them to go. <laughs> yeah, they have to go there too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't expect them to go anywhere else in the entire world <sighs> than there. Okay, so anyhow, the last theory, and I, I hope this is a good is one. It's pretty like I, something to make up for that poop yeah, show. The last one, <laughs> I take I take this one pretty seriously, which is the. The idea that Granger Taylor was going through a mental health crisis and that this was suicide. See, I thought about that as you were as you were telling the story. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, were there reports of him struggling with any actual mental mental health issues? I mean, you know, which they're very well may have been not like most people don't they're not out about it right Right. it's not like now where it's kind of common practice to talk about it then it wasn't yeah so you know i mean yeah that's that's possible but like i feel like at least robert would have known something maybe at least had a hunch okay so like yeah he seems unhappy like whatever of course robert keller's take on this is no way he says it runs counter (laughs) to everything that he knew about granger but Granger Taylor was a notably lonely person. Like, right. He didn't, he he didn't have to himself for how many years when he was, when he was a kid and very introverted and whatever else. Right. Like he had his parents, 
his most of his siblings were gone at that point. They were all older than him. Um, okay. And he he didn't have emotional intimacy with people. Like he he didn't he never had a relationship. He none. He was a lonely You're guy. Almost making him sound like a sociopath at that point. I mean, he uh, he was. That's possible. He was yeah. he was friendly. He was, but he he was he was lonely. He was. It's okay. it's kind of sad, but like. I I t- I lean toward this theory. Yeah, I mean, loneliness, loneliness can make you do some some crazy stuff. Yeah, you know? absolutely, and especially just on a dime, like you know, no no prior like you know, people wouldn't even expect anything, and all of a sudden, just yeah, you at that point, yeah, it's see, and like a lot of people look at this story and they think like, oh, he went out to a bar and he. Like, stopped by and had a chat with his friend and all that before he did it. But, like, anyone who's ever <clears throat> anyone who's ever known someone who committed suicide knows that the moments between when they decide, okay, I'm going to do it, and when they actually do it, is the happiest that you'll ever see them. There, True. There's a relief that comes once they've decided... Right, I'm, because they know... Yeah. They know what they know. It's over. Yeah, it's it's impending at that point. Yes, like, like, so I don't find it odd okay. at all if he if he packed dynamite into his truck, drove up the mountain, and blew himself up. If yeah. that's the case, I don't find it odd at all that he did those things. Like, I think they would have found more remains, though. I don't know. I mean, a whole fucking case of dynamite. You're who knows what the hell you're Maybe. gonna find. I mean, yeah, I mean they could. Yeah, they could literally char you yeah, to ash. That's a uh, massive blast. True. true. Yeah. I. All right. All right. I. Now I don't know what to believe because that also makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Like that, and then you know, I love the idea of him going to work for the government. Yeah, me too. I like that. One too. Um. You know, maybe I'm actually, I'm leaning more towards those than him up with the aliens now. So you've swayed me. Yeah. Um, I think like the one that does make the most sense is the latter. Yeah. You know, honestly, um, yeah, I think, I think that definitely like it, it just, it paints more of a, more of a picture, more of like gives more of an explanation. Yeah. And also, I mean, what better way, like, yeah, he's he's out there, like, basically saying his goodbyes and also wants, you know, everyone to not worry about anything and wants to come, you know, wants to make sure. And, yeah, he's he's happy. He's ready, you know, he's ready to do it. Like, he knows what's going on. Yeah. Um, but also, like, making sure, like, you know, Robert and his family, like, you know, I, I think it's the wrong card to play that he's he could be back. He's going to be back in so many months. Right. Like, that's the little part of that that seems kind of shitty makes me still think otherwise yeah right yeah yeah i don't i don't know the thing that really seals the deal for me on this one is the fact that he was out in a thunderstorm with no coat there's something about that that reads suicide to me basically in his like summer clothing and stuff yeah yeah, I mean, this guy was probably looking. I mean, I'm I'm assuming he was probably you know decently dressed. Yeah, 
but nothing that you would expect for that time of year and specifically this area. Yeah. Um, you know, so he probably was, yeah, was looking nice, you know, looking a little dapper and like, you know, ready to, ready to get moving. Also, when a person decides I'm going to jump off a building and they walk down the block to, to go jump off a building, they don't put their coat on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't give a shit how cold it is outside. They'll like get decked out like to the nine and you know, like. These are my clothes. I'm going out, right? In. Like you know, so maybe that was maybe that was his thing. Maybe that's what he that's what he wanted. That's what he felt comfortable. Sure, you know. And uh, but yeah, still, I, mean, I don't know, man. It's like it's just a li- couple little lingering things to me that I I don't I now I don't have 100. <laughs> percent I don't I don't know what I what I think 100. percent You know, it's it's. Like I kind of sway both directions now. Yeah. But I mean, if if it was to kind of just chalk up to, but I don't know. There's like no like no real supporting evidence though to to anything. Yeah. I know. And especially like in you know to his, besides you know him dropping out of eighth grade and then you know being such this like. This like loner to himself kid, like right, you know, like you know that that, and then also keeping that up his whole life. He had no desire to go off, buy his own house, or start a family, you know, like do anything. Like yeah, he had saved up like so much money and stuff, and you know, but had no desire to like do anything with it or do anything with his life other than what he was doing at that present moment. Yeah, you know, so. That those are kind of more of the supporting things that I think like, yeah, that that I think you know that that could definitely be a big possibility, but like I said, it's just still there's little little things there's still gaps to it. Yeah, I mean we haven't even discussed the Heaven's Gate theory, which is, you know, the same thing we discussed on the Ventame Hill the lead masks episode where okay maybe yeah. he had to blow himself up to separate himself from his you know mortal body to ascend yeah right true like oh man (laughs) i don't know if i want to get back into this one. i mean but yeah no that's that's plausible it was that kind of that same concept right as a means to ascend right yes right Mm -hmm. i don't there's also there's a little tidbit here that one of the farmhands that worked on his family's farm was a known LSD dealer. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And, huh. yeah. And okay. there were rumors that Granger had been dabbling in LSD. So. <laughs> well, I wonder where the dreams came yeah. from. <laughs> right. <laughs> now I don't believe any of it. So there's, I mean. He's probably still on some trip right now. Just, right? you know. Like frolicking around the rainforest. <laughs> oh man, yeah, especially like northwestern, like Canada area. Uh-huh. It's so like vast and dense, and yeah, yeah, he could be so, out there anyhow, tripping balls yeah. with a Sasquatch. We don't even know. <laughs> Maybe they've become best friends at this point. Yeah, I like that one. That's that's my go-to now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so let's get down to it. I want you to pick a theory. 
that makes the most sense Man, to you. I don't know. Um, all right, there's two. Okay. I think he definitely had the know-how and the engineering and mechanical genius to literally get recruited for the government. Agreed. I I fully fully agree and I or fully support that. And I think that's yeah. I think he definitely had the know-how and I think like I mean the dude is obviously a prodigy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, beyond well beyond anyone. I mean, yeah, we we have some crazy engineers that can can reverse engineer a lot of things. But it takes them their whole entire lives to be able to do so. Right. And you have this kid doing so at the age of, I mean, by like 14 and like 17 or yeah. whatever. And in his early 20s, like, I mean, he's building, you know, building planes, building trains, like building cars, like, yep. you know, like, and a flying saucer that sits in his yard, like, you know, little or sits on his farm. Um, So, yeah, I think like somebody got got word of that and... Like, you know, the Canadian government had bought all these things for this museum and everything. And we're like, okay, this guy, you know, obviously knows his stuff. Let's see, you know, and maybe he got, maybe he got introduced to some deeper secrets. Okay. You know, deeper unknown things. Like I said, more on that fringe, that fringe theory of thing or fringe kind of uh, way of thinking and more like a fringe field. Rather, sure. Um, that he was recruited into something like that. I think that that makes this i mean honestly is way more believable than him getting chosen by some alien civilization or alien race to go off and like frequent the stars sure. for one thing it makes him a lot less it makes him it doesn't require him to be as special right so like correct because right. the government may recruit a dozen people for that department in you know in a year or in five years or whatever but like especially this is the 80s yeah, yeah. Two. Right, right. So yeah, this was back when the government was able to keep secrets really well. Now, with that said, that's what I think. Honestly, like I said, that's that's where I more sway towards. Um, just because, like, I mean, he he did, uh, he was like an exceptional person. Yes. He knew all this stuff. That I mean. With the government already buying all these things from him, like displaying them, you know, he already has an end. Yeah. First. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That now, makes sense. Now I also sway towards your area, and I think that that also makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, so that's where man, it's 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 hard to really choose. Like, if I'm choosing just because I like the theory. I'm going to go with government involvement. Yeah, that's the happy theory. But if I'm going to choose based on like his earlier days and just the way he was as a person and things like that, I'm going to sway towards suicide. Like suicide. Yeah. Right. So it's it's hard for me to pick one. Yeah. I have my reasons for both. Yeah. So, but that's uh, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to stay because I can't I can't say one or the other in that case. I mean, if I'm looking at, like I said, it's just as him as a smart individual and everything, he's going to go you know, towards the government. And I think that is very, very plausible. Yeah, me too. I agree. I'm so I love that. Yeah. I love that idea. 
that he's like down in Area 51 or someplace we've never heard of even working on. I mean, there's so many different ones, right? There's ones literally hidden in the mountains. I mean, there's probably some in in a lot of Canada's mountain ranges and things like that because it's so vast and and dense and there's they could, yeah get a lot away with a lot more too maybe he's like under the denver airport right now rebuilding a ufo (laughs) but like true i i really do love that idea but everything i've read about him and his life how he was the circumstances themselves it it screams suicide to me it's like yeah i can't get past it that's it makes perfect sense yeah yeah, that's that's why I'm so stuck between those two. Yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, if I was gonna say like, you know, if I if I didn't think of of his engineering background, like the way yeah. like how much of a prodigy, I'll say it again, he was, I would immediately sway towards yeah. suicide at this point with everything else that we've talked about. Yeah. Because um, I mean, you've you've also like you've let you know talked about a lot more things that we didn't really discuss within the story too like bringing things to light that make that make one like make so much more sense. yeah so yeah Yeah, it bums me out that that's my conclusion because like this guy just seems so fucking cool and like it sucks to me that he like that he lived his life without like that emotional intimacy without like having forming a a relationship that would, like that makes me be truly such a hard sad. way to yes. live right yeah yeah it makes me really sad i could never imagine that the closest thing he had to a best friend was someone 15 years younger than him you know what i mean i mean and that that already should raise yes. a bit of concern yeah. right you know like he didn't have anybody his age i mean he had his siblings after his after his mom i believe had remarried yeah. He had his seven siblings that he basically acquired at that point. But, like, yeah, I mean, you have siblings, but, you know, especially married, like, you know, married in siblings, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're going to develop relationships and things like that. But yeah. it's never going to be There's always a separation as, like, a tight bond, yeah. right? As, as, like, an actual, like, real relationship. Yeah. Whether that be, like, a best friend. Or, like, a significant other yeah. or something like that. I think this was just a guy who lived in his head. He he had oh, I, yeah. so, many, sure. so many ideas and so many, you know, thoughts and things happening all the time that I think he just never quite got out of his head. And the people who were attracted to him as a person were, you know, were younger people because... They would come, kids would come out to the farm and they would like play on the machines he was building and like ride on the train and check out the airplane. And it was like a little fun park for the kids of the town. Right. And yeah, Yeah, that makes sense too. And those, those kids are the ones who he ended, I mean, that kid in particular, Robert was he just had like this little buddy who followed him around and idolized him. And that's not a real relationship. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, at that point, that's like, maybe that was a means to like help him feel a sense of belonging and like something, you know, like help, like maybe, maybe Robert was, you know, like the reason it didn't happen sooner. Right. And it, it might've been good. It might've been good for both of them, but 
I it's not like that kind of relationship that like protege mentor relationship is not as reciprocal as peers. You know what I mean? I agree. It can't ever be. Yeah. Nope. So like I feel like this was a guy who was very alone. And that bums me out. It makes it makes Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that for sure. Yeah. And like Yeah, I think I think he just like had enough of it. I don't know if he had like I don't know if he went up there under you know like he had some kind of mental health break, some psychotic break or something at some point and maybe he actually believed he had to go up the mountain and blow himself up to get there. That's what I was going to say, like maybe maybe at that point he had had developed, you know, something or some right. form of strange kind of psychosis or something like mm-hmm. where he he was, he made himself believe. Yeah. It. See, I don't know if it's that or if the story was just a complete fabrication to soften the blow when he went. You know, right. because True. he also he seems like he seemed like a nice guy. You know, someone who wouldn't want his like young protege to be destroyed when he killed himself. You know? Right. What what better way to soften it than to give false hope? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's right. that's the camp I unfortunately find myself in. I I mean, like I said, I'm right there with you on it, but I'm also, you know, I I can't help but to also think of the alt you know the alternative like alternative options yeah i love that theory too um yeah i mean they both i think they both could hold up extremely i love the idea that maybe granger taylor was like working in the same room as bob lazar at some point you know like hey it's that's possible so cool (laughs) (laughs) all right and that concludes episode 25 the mysterious disappearance of Granger Taylor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.